tune in tomorrow and listen to <laughs> You weren't the uh, first girl to let me down, and you won't be the last. <laughs> Panther fans, welcome to another edition of the Carolina Line. My name, Kevin Donnelly. I'm here with Al Wallace. Kelly Bardick has been called away on a very important meeting uh, that has to do with the Panthers. So maybe we'll get some news uh, about what's going on over there in the next few days. We have no idea what it's about. And uh, it's off the record. So, um, you know, whose guess? Uh, yours is as good as anyone's right, right now. And uh, it's just kind of the nature of the NFL. These things come up uh, and they happen every week. So I don't think it's anything that's out of the ordinary. But um, certainly that duty calls our first duty to WCCB, who does a great job. Gotta go to there. work. That's right. You got to pay the bills. Right. So you've got full uh, Carolina line with just the two offensive linemen, defensive linemen right here. We're going to be breaking this game down. And Al, what a tough one yesterday. So, I mean, the – the way the team came out, the way they performed, the way it ended up against an opponent that you really felt strongly about, that we could get the win, that there was motivation to get the win, being a, a division rival and having lost the last three to them, maybe the last six out of seven was another stat. Um, the series, um, going into this game, they'd won 30 of the 48 games that we'd ever played yeah. against them. And it's just a team you think you wouldn't have to get up for, motivated for, to go out there and play crisp, sharp, focused football. Yeah, I mean, you know the bad, bad blood. NFC South rivals right up I-85 really motivated a lot of guys early on both rosters, Georgia guys, and that makes it even more impactful for these two teams to go against one another. Uh, and they want to win. You're talking about the, the last two NFC uh, MVPs from this division have been right here between Atlanta, Cam Newton here for the Carolina Panthers. They, they play tough football, and it, it goes back to our days and facing Michael Vick and those rivalries. So it is tough, and those guys really, really don't like one another. So we knew it was going to be a challenge. Uh, two games – Going into this one for the Falcons were wins, but they were going to give you everything they had on the road in Bank of America Stadium against the Panthers. Yeah, and it's like we couldn't match their enthusiasm and excitement and energy to play the game. They came right out, drove down the field, uh, but the defense did a good job rallying. And one guy, we'll get into some specifics, but just general comments for this game. Um, someone I thought would get the team fired up was Trey Boston yeah. because that first drive two times – uh, came just dropped down from that free safety position, knew the play, like sniffed it out, knew it was coming, and just shot his shot. Yeah, and and freaking waylaid guys. I mean, look, he wore his big boy pads yesterday. <laughs> he knew he was going to be in a hit and match. He's dealing with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, and and just a lot of studs over there on the offensive side. And he uh, really played with all that hair on fire. I mean, he was getting <laughs> was. after it, man. He was. You saw the, the the locks just flying in the air. He came up a few times just without regard for his body and safety and you love to see that from a free safety just being physical at the line of scrimmage and back on the back end knocking some balls loose so uh trey boston did a great job i'm i love watching him play and of course if he gets a camera and a microphone yeah. in his face he's one of the best quotes on the team well and he's he's a positive guy he he keeps energy up he's always talking and chattering so it's it's great to have that kind of leadership back there and you think you know, I've been in games, you've been in games. Sometimes you're playing next to a guy or with a guy on the offense or defense that you just know is having a great game. Like yeah. The matchup he has that day or the game plan that's dialed up or some special blitzes or for us, you know, a, a run play or whatever's called up and and we're, we're feeling it. It's in a groove. Ooh, it's yeah. a thing of beauty. I mean, you just need one of those guys to be the pulse. Like some days, you know, it takes a while to get up for the game for whatever reason. Guys are in, you know, different levels of readiness for the performance. But a guy like Trey Boston is always ready. Yeah, I mean, and I thought, on or off the field, he's always ready to go. And, and Al, don't you feel like when the guys that are always ready like that, it, it can permeate and, and get the rest of the team motivated and fired up. But it – it seemed like a struggle. We can pick out four or five guys probably from this this roster that went out there and did their normal, usual, dynamic plays. Yeah. Uh, Trey Boston, Christian McCaffrey, you know, even the receivers. You know, DJ Moore. DJ had a, Solid. He's been game. on the Olsen mm -hmm. had some nice catches. Um, saw some of the run blocking from the individual linemen was great, and then the run defense. You know, so you can pick out a lot of really good performances, but overall, there wasn't enough guys like Trey. Uh, guys like Greg Olson that, that focused on uh, just each play at, at a time. It just seemed disjointed the whole day in terms of the offense could never get in sync. 
And then some of the times, we'll get into this later, but the defense was a little bit disjointed too with communication, substitutions. It got weird for a while there. You know, Vern Butler coming off the field, coming back on. And um, so that's just something that um, it's just so uncharacteristic of these Panthers team that we've seen this year. It's usually been a very crisp operation. And, you know, really the, the biggest game that got out of hand was that San Fran game. But the other ones, even the losses we've been in or had a chance to win at the very end. Yeah, I think you've seen this football team compete. Uh, good, bad, or ugly. San Francisco, obviously, um, we've, we've known, you know, know what they've been able to do this season. So we see their production uh, battling back, winning football games with, I think, 9-1 and one now. So they're a good football team. But this one um, was very curious. I mean, it just was not – the standard of execution you're used to seeing from a Ron Rivera coach football team. And it was really all three phases. I mean, you give up a kick return. I mean, the turnovers, uh, the penalties, just the, the plays that just hurt you. They just You just shoot yourself in the foot uh, when you play like that against a talented football team that does, uh, despite their record, does have the, the guys, the, the roster, the, the people on the team to get it done. And they proved the last couple weeks that they are more than capable in this NFC South. They found some type of formula for Dan Quinn, and they've gotten it going. He's on the hot seat. Uh, you know, his job was in question, but this team has really found it. And at the perfect time for that team, because it was two against two divisional rivals mm-hmm. in the Saints and here against the Panthers. So hats off to them. We'll start by giving them a lot of credit for what they were able to do on the road in a hostile environment against a, a huge rival with the Carolina Panthers. Oh, all that being said, it's yeah. still I'm angry today. I got my mat on and, um, you know, we, we got to talk about this. And I think on the offensive side, uh, really one of the best places to start is that offensive line. Um, this is a group that that'll start with you know some of the bright spots in this. I felt that the run blocking was really there for Christian McCaffrey um, on the day. He had I believe seventy yards on fourteen carries, so I think that um, equates to five yards per carry. And five yards a carry in the NFL is is a fantastic number. High four point six, four point seven, four point eight, very very good. Uh, and you'll see a lot of running backs league wide. Even some of the best ones may pull in a three nine or a four one. Uh, per carry and it's um, you know it's just average at best so when a guy can average five yards a carry and he did it um, without you know a brilliant 20-yard run he did it without the home run touchdown he you know that added to his average it was just you could count on him from about two yards to eight yards on all those reps and so I think run blocking wise and what Christian did in terms of running the ball um, a very effective job yeah, we don't want to take anything away. Uh, we know um, this offensive line has performed well. They've blocked very good. When you have a guy like 22 behind you, he makes it easy. You know that you only have to maintain those blocks for a split second, and he's to and through that hole. So he does a great job. But I, I think the combo blocks, when I watch them, they, they work well together, this offensive line. And then climbing up to the second level, this is extremely athletic guy, especially uh, the offensive line, especially the interior three, the center and the two guards. Uh, Greg Van Roten, for me, is still the most consistent offensive mm-hmm. lineman on this football team. You know what you're going to get from him every single week. Um, he's going to have ups and downs, but he is in a small window where he is going to be really good. He's scrappies. He's going to fight for everything. And I love to see him on short yardage plays. They seem to want to run and tuck in behind him. And he's always pulling at McCaffrey and the runners trying to get them the extra yard. So Greg Van Roten does a really solid job. And I rarely see him just beat at the line of scrimmage, uh, either in the run game or uh, in pass pro. So he's done a very good job. But I think they were really, really good uh, on the run. And Chris McCaffrey surely appreciates them opening up those holes yeah and don't you think um you know for these guys we're, we're a run-based offense so um the, you know we know it's going to be featuring christian mccaffrey and we know that these guys up front have shown some physicality what they can go out there and, and block and, and really do a good job but you know when you come into a game with the the atlanta falcons who um you know basically um do not stop the run. That is not their forte. Mm-hmm. They're one of the worst in the league at stopping the run. And you're going as the team. You know, we're a top 10 team in running the ball, or at least before this game we were. And so you think you'd focus on that. And just what was disappointing is, you know, we throw a pass right off the get-go. Um, then we do a run with with um, Christian McCaffrey. And then we, you know, on a third and four, try another pass that, that gets intercepted on that first drive. That was really tough because – it feels like almost 
you know, with this team, maybe you run it a couple times. And I know second guessing can, can be a problem, but, um, you know, coming off the week you had the week before, it's established the run game. So I was a little disappointed that uh, that drive was so quick in and off the field. Uh, it, it's tough to – to kind of watch that when you go away from what your best thing is. I believe when you're a coach, uh, the one thing that can get in your way is what we, we always throw it out like self-scouting, right? So I know this team has looked at what they do, especially early in football games, that kind of initial scripted 15 to 20 plays. You go out there and you have an idea of what you want to probe this defense and see their reaction, with how, how they're going to react or how they're going to adjust to maybe some new wrinkles that you have in. I think – for this team, your identity is with Christian McCaffrey, and it's that running game. Don't stray away from it. Uh, I really believe as an offense, you should try to dictate what the defense does, and that means going out there and just pound the run until they're able to stop it. Different formations, different looks, similar plays. Give the ball to McCaffrey and kind of soften them up, and I think that helps a guy like uh, Kyle Allen settle in a little bit, make some easy throws off of that play fake, uh, off the play action, and get it going. So you kind of trick yourself. You self-scout and you think, man, this team is going to be expecting heavy runs. I'm going to come out and uh, throw the ball and mix it up a little bit, and it doesn't play into to what this team is all about, the identity of this offense, and that's running the ball with Christian McCaffrey. Yeah, and I think there's just something about starting with some tried and true plays, and I'm not saying be vanilla. Um, there's certain we can learn from the 49ers that you know they have a they have several runs and play action plays and passes that they can make look really really different with all their movements, their shifts, their personnel that they have in there. But for those guys up front, a lot of the blocking on these plays has a lot of carryover. It's very similar from play to play. They don't have to to memorize, you know, 50 different plays. It really – these things build like building blocks where you start out, you know, we have a zone run where everyone's kind of blocking that man that's in your area and you're trying to get movement so that Christian can feel out where the hole is, go strike that hole. And But with that, I mean, you can run motions, you can uh, do some motions with the tight end back and forth in a formation and get them thinking about different things that can set that thing up that looks totally different, but you're sticking with a lot of your tried and true plans. And I know we're talking about the first drive here, and it's, it might not be that big of a deal, but to me as a former offensive lineman, just getting a couple first downs to start a game and then coming out of halftime puts you back in it, it gets you geared up for what you have that day you get your pads loosened up uh whether you get points from it or not just sustaining the drive a little while and letting your your defense even know let your coaching staff know that it's not going to be a three and out there we're going to go out there we're going to get some points on the board and build some momentum uh eventually through this game through some consistency but you want to see a good established drive and you know both times coming out of the you know the halftime had a good drive but turned it over again so you know, when you start a game that way where you're basically your first possession in the first half, first possession in the second half, uh, giving the ball away, um, yeah, that's not setting yourself up for, for victory. And so, you know, to me, a lot of that blame, I'll shift it now. I think with the run blocking, that was solid, but the pass blocking was just – it was atrocious because five sacks, out, five sacks, mm -hmm. which is a huge number. But then how many other times where there's just so much pressure that it looked like Kyle Allen, I mean, from the beginning, had nervous feet. And I heard DeLome say it on the, the radio broadcast of the game with Mick Mixon and Jim Zoki, uh, how they were, you know, Jake being a former quarterback, it's like he could sense early in that game he just was not comfortable. Yeah. It, I mean, you saw, like, intentional grounding. He's he's leaving that pocket. He's looking for, for receivers down the field. They're now in kind of that scramble mode as they're trying to find open zones for him to deliver the ball. It just throws off the timing of the routes and the vision of the quarterback to maintain his uh, his eyes down the field to find uh, a receiver. So that type of pressure is uh, – you, you, sacks are good. And as a defensive lineman, we want sacks, Don't no doubt about it. But if we can uh, impact, if we can affect – the quarterback that's uh that's just as good it's we want hits on the quarterback and I think he suffered enough hits and was harassed enough that you saw him get happy feet you saw him bail out of that pocket we always talk about him maybe being better at stepping up through the pocket where there was nowhere to step step up I mean there was push that pocket was completely collapsed and then um yeah that offensive line man there are so many things to break
breakdown to take a look at how they were beaten on some of the pass rush, some speed rush, but a whole lot of power. It's just speed, the power. The Atlanta Falcons D-line saw something on film this week and decided, hey, we can just go speed to power. We can push these guys in the back uh, backfield in the lap of Kyle Allen. Yeah, it seemed like, especially with our tackles, um, you could really see a mindset early on. They, you know, they got Vic Beasley. They have some speed over there, but really, the the killers were the bigger, more powerful linemen that, like you said, went speed to rush. Obviously, they're going to have a good get off. See if they can beat someone off the line of scrimmage, get an edge. But if you can't get that first move there, changing it to a power move, basically where you're you're just shifting into a bull rush mode to just see if you can push them back in the quarterback's lap. And what was so disappointing was to see that that happened time and time again, and it didn't matter what tackle was in there. Even Daryl Williams got in there and, and got a little bit of action and, and really did uh, poorly. And so, you know, I think the tackles is the first place to look. And, um, you know, for me, Al, it was just disappointing to see uh, them – just not be as physical as they needed to be against some bigger linemen. Yeah, it was tough to watch. Now, I mean, I know you played as an interior guy, a guard, but you spent some time at tackle. Talk to me about the past sets that I saw from a defensive end, um, kind of eagle eye up there in the booth. I, I saw a lot of soft sets. I saw those straight back kind of vertical sets that you really gain ground and you give those big 280-pound defensive linemen a chance to kind of build up some momentum and hit you with uh hit you with the the bull rush uh you know it wasn't kind of a 45 degree drop where you kind of cut them off and you engage in that that battle a lot sooner uh is that something they can adjust to mid game where they're not so much vertical setting and giving up those those soft pass sets well it's it's really about um the technique in your pass set and it's a fine line between the nfl now is really geared towards um, throwing the football and, and they protect quarterbacks because they know that's where exciting plays come from. That's where, um, you know, the big, you know, chunk plays can happen from and just so many exciting parts. And even when you look at it on the defensive side, it's a chance for an interception. It's a chance for a sack. It sets up a lot of dramatic events. And so, um, you know, I think with the NFL, they like that scenario. It brings fans to the screen. The game continues to grow and, and viewership is up. Um, but I think what's gotten lost along the way a little bit is is some of the technique and the physicality of the game that this is a subject maybe for an off-season podcast, but how do we incorporate more hitting into the off-season or training camp? And I'm not saying full game mode, but how do you get the quarterbacks and other guys more reps with timing or whatever that's a little bit more physical? Because right now I think the formula that the NFL has, and I'll leave it at this, and I'll let you comment on it, Al, is um, when they – the collective bargain agreement the last time around uh, they really swung the pendulum so far towards protecting the players yeah. that I think they did a disservice to the game in terms of the product that we get to see and one of the biggest um, areas where that need crops up every single year is the need for developed offensive linemen and they're not getting it it's hard to uh, develop football players without practicing football and I think the you know the collective bargaining agreement has really taken out the part of the game where um, not so much we're pounding each other, but we've learned how to be physical. And when I watch the game today, um, it's just a lot softer. And I don't want to be the old guy that right. you know played back in the day, and our our game was tougher than yours. But it's not as physical from it's, it's just the a offense and it's defensive line. Yeah, it's, it's a reality it's, of the situation. It's the way it it has to be. And when we take that to this particular football game and our offensive line, and a guy like Greg Little being inserted in there after six weeks of being in the concussion protocol when we watched him get bull rushed I can't count how many times by uh, Claiborne he just decided I'm going to bull rush him and the first thing I said is that would have been my game plan the, the guy hasn't been able to and you know they protected him during the week um, pass protect somebody be really really physical they don't practice that way anymore so if I'm uh, had to formulate uh, what I'm going to pull out of my tool of pass my toolbox of pass rushes it's going to be speed the power I'm going to throw that at him until he's able to anchor down you're going to have to get physical you're going to have to sit down and, and kind of take on that um, not head to head blow but it gets physical in there your head's going to be in there those hands are going to shoot to the inside you're just trying to drive your man back so when I watch that I think Greg Little is at a disadvantage there's no way he could have been prepared for that um, for a number of different reasons but the biggest one is coming off of that protocol 
having a head injury and not wanting to have have to be in that type of physical battle that he saw all game. I saw a couple of times he was just too high and I know he's trying to get his head out of it. You're thinking about sustained career and longevity and not giving up that sack. So it is a really tough position and that offensive line um, was just dominated. It was yeah. dominated. Vic Beasley did his with speed against uh, Darrell Williams. I thought, you know, Kyle Allen drifted a little bit, but again, that pressure's coming up the middle also, but the rest of the guys was just straight manhandle is just straight bull rushed into the lap of the quarterback well they'll be working on the new collective bargaining agreement uh they're doing it now i'm sure in closed meetings that we don't hear a lot of, of details about but i'm sure when the offseason rolls around there'll be discussions over uh what are the gives and takes from each side and i'm just hoping that they can come together on getting uh, a few more padded practices in there i think especially for training camp and then i also think during the season um, you know, but, you know, I think they get about 15 padded practices for a whole 17 week schedule mm-hmm. with the bye week. So mm-hmm. that's one less than once a week. Uh, I really think, you know, if it's at 15, you know, you could bump it up to maybe 20 so that when there's times when you want to put pads on Wednesday and Thursday, you can do it. And I hint, I say that because one of the best things that helped me develop and I hated them every time we did them mm-hmm. was one-on-one pass reps and practice with the full pads on. Because you're putting an offensive lineman in a situation where the defensive lineman knows it's pass. Mm -hmm. There's no one to help you. So it's just one-on-one blocking. There's no sliding, anything like that. And it's just me going against Peppers or me going against you. It's just Greg Little, you know, going against Mario. And it's full out, full speed reps. And you're on the camera and you get to, to dissect everything. And I know they do them. But a lot of times they don't have full pads on. And so it really just turns into a dance contest, yeah. you know, with them just punching and Slapping using hands. hands and, yeah. and they basically say, okay, no pads on, no bull rush. Yeah. And, and bull rush to me is, I mean, it's essential to every player. It's the easiest rush in terms of mm-hmm. you don't have to have any skill. You just run in there as low as you can and just try and push Leverage. the lineman back. Leverage, yeah. But as an offensive lineman, you've got to be able to bend your knees and bend at the hips. And I think – the tackles we have have that capability, but it's like you said, just a little bit too high. That helps them. You know, guys want to drift up higher because that helps them with their you know sliding side to side. Um, but it's when you get hit and you're sliding and you're real high up. If you had a base and you were lower and you had some Z in your knees, I call it, where you can actually see you know the knees bending, the knee gets over the toe a little bit. You have a plant foot that can that can just stop a bull rush in its tracks mm-hmm. and. For me, I just see this is around the whole entire league. Uh, guys are just getting pushed around on the offensive side, and they're they're not using the weapons that God gave them. They're three hundred and twenty pounds. They work their tails off in the yeah. off season. They're physical. They're benching incredible weights more than I ever did, and squatted and all these things. But sometimes they're not putting their body. You know, to play good defense on basketball is the same thing as pass blocking to me in the NFL. Uh, the best defenders in the NBA are guys that can move their feet but with a knee bend so that they can cut back the other direction and have their balance and they're not uh, drifting where they get too high or get off balance right to left. Because, Al, I know you love it. You, you feel a guy that's playing a little bit high and you got him going one direction and his knees aren't bent, you're chucking him the other way. You're letting him go to that direction. If he's starting yeah. to tilt one way, do the old Reggie White bim, you know, where it's mm-hmm. you're getting upfield, you feel that guy flowing with you, he's way too high. Um, it's just easy to knock them off track. That's the game plan as a, a pass rusher. You don't want the offensive lineman to have a comfortable pass set. You don't want them to set up a great knee bend, a great anchor foot, inside strong inside hand, maybe doing something with the outside hand as a, a, def- a offensive tackle to kind of lure you in, to, to throw a move early and then catch you with that thing. So there's a lot of different techniques, and I, and I think it's suffered because you can't do that. You can't practice that way anymore um when i look at this football team in particular and it's happening everywhere we're 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 telling you it's happening all around the league but think about greg little um and then on the defensive side and we'll get to these guys vernon butler and the development of brian burns they don't get those types of reps you're talking about 15 a year they don't get those types of physical reps so it really hinders their development as far as how many things they can bring to the table um saw vernon butler just a little high on some of those runs you know, they were good um, in this game. I guess we can call them good, but there weren't a lot of running uh, mm-hmm. plays. So 54 total yards is a little bit misleading. But, you know, I think some of that stuff deals with technique. And the way you develop technique is getting in there and getting dirty during the week. Yeah, I'll, I'll you know, with the offensive line, that the technique has to get ba- better. I think there needs to be a, um, 
a little bit more, uh, I think, toughness along that offensive line too with just trying to, to go out there. Just I feel like at this point there should be a lot more guys that are pissed off and mad, and I want to see guys pushing the envelope in terms of the physicality that they have. And, um, you know, I, it, let's cut out the holding penalties and the chop blocks and the offsides, the stupid stuff that went that happened yesterday. Um, you know what? I want to see a guy get a, a – you know, personal foul for blocking a guy after the whistle into the dirt. Yeah. Like, just I know it's going to set the offense back, but give me something that's a tone setter that that lets me believe that these guys up front are total badasses and they're here to play. Yeah, I just need to see some finishers. I just need to see a little extra. And we talked about it. You know, our relationship and your time uh, with the Panthers and how I described you—a guy that's going to play two and pass the whistle. We need a bunch of those guys, and that just sets the tone. It's an attitude up front on the offensive line and uh it is great to be nice and we're down on the field pregame we see these guys i don't know about you we did we weren't together during pregame but i was frothing at the mouth man i told myself every time coming out there that i was undrafted i did not belong um they were going to cut me on monday i did this routine in my head i beat myself up every week and i don't think i could communicate on game day i was so furious uh, that I went out there and I played like it was my last snap. So you want to see that from everybody. Everyone's different. We have your different motivation, but those are some of the things that I feel like I had to do, just go out there and really um, – you know, it, it went so far from just, like, staring at my name over the locker and looking mm-hmm. at I'm not Julius Peppers, uh, Mike Rucker. I probably only played 10 snaps. And I was a special teams guy. So that opening kickoff, I mean, I was a maniac. So that's I think that's how you have to approach it. Whatever you have to do, it's it's football. It's going to be tough. You got to get out there. You want to see them get nasty. It's not in everybody's personality. But yeah. we will welcome down on that offensive line. Well, I'll, I'll say this, and it's, it just goes back to our time when we were in the league. Um, two of the best players the Panthers have ever had are Jordan Gross and Julius Peppers, and those guys went into battle every week. Uh, Wednesday, Thursdays, were uh, it was game on for those oh. two. And a lot of good reps that we'd watch them good go and good. practice. And uh, sometimes Joe Gross would get the better of them, and sometimes it was Peppers. And But it was the pads were on. Um, they were getting those reps. And there's a lot of times where we'd put the pads on for that period and maybe an inside drill and halfway through take the pads off so you can protect guys. So I'll leave it at that. They'll figure it out. The NFL will. I hope they do because I think – um, so many good things are going on with the game right now, but I don't like the trend of uh, it just seems to be getting less and less physical in terms of the preparation side of it. That carries over into the game, and what we're having is some offensive linemen that aren't as prepared as they need to be, and that results in a quarterback that's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's what Kyle Allen was. Um, you know, Overall, stats 62% on his uh, completion rate, which is not bad, 50 pass attempts, but the four interceptions – uh, were just killer. And I know that there was some pressure. Um, he felt it during the day. He never felt comfortable. Um, so some of that goes on to the offensive line. But a big bulk of that goes on Kyle Allen, some poor decisions. Yeah, and, and I think we did it uh, intentionally the way we set it up. We needed to talk about the offensive line. We know that pressure um, gets to quarterbacks. It doesn't matter if it's Cam Newton, uh, Kyle Allen, Tom Brady. If you hit those guys – they're going to get a little antsy back there. They don't want to get hit. It's going to throw off their timing down the field, looking at routes, being able to be comfortable enough to go through a progression on each and every pass play. But Kyle Allen, when he has the opportunities, and he's the first to say it, and it's admirable getting up on the podium and saying, hey, I have to make better decisions. Well, it comes a point, it's week 11 now, that you actually have to make those yeah. decisions. His coach is saying it. He's saying it. His teammates are saying it. You know, you have to hope, if you're a Panthers fan, and we are definitely Panthers fans, that this kid can somehow get get it in his head where he doesn't have to make the spectacular play. Uh, he threw it to Christian McCaffrey 11 times uh, yesterday. And that's, so that's just check res- it down. Yeah, that's, that's what this the result team is. Of, that, that's exactly what you have to do that, mm-hmm. um, because – you could hold it longer and get a 15-yarder to Christian. I mean, to DJ Moore or Greg Olson down the field, risking a sack. But you're exactly right, Al. Check down to him. He's available. He got 11 touches yesterday. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's your guy because even that four-yard reception, 
he can turn it into he's something special at any time. Yeah. Um, and he's rarely tackled immediately. So it's it just keeps the chains moving forward because there's too many third and tens. And we forget that is this is what North Turner's offense is. Even with Cam Newton six and two last year before he goes down and he's injured, uh, his his completion percentage was up, but the the throws were down, like down the field. They weren't there. Now you can point to shoulder and all that stuff, but I think in this North Turner offense, he wants you to take what's in front of you. They're going to try to hit some of those deep crossers and, um, you know, bang eights with, with those guys on the outside. But at the end of the day, Chris McCaffrey is going to check up for protection. He's just going to turn and make himself available. Mm-hmm. And when you get Christian McCaffrey one-on-one or just a simple angle route by Christian McCaffrey, he's looked like he's going to run a little quick out to the flat, turns it in and, middle of the field we saw that yesterday one-on-one with the linebacker no match there's not a linebacker it's probably not a, a number of defensive backs in the league going to be able to stop Christian McCaffrey on that that angle route so they just have to take uh, Kyle Allen has to take with this offense uh the defense is going to give him and 90 percent of the time it's going to be intermediate and short dump off routes and that has to be okay for him yeah and I w- when you think about it when how many times have, have you seen Christian not come up with some kind of yardage? Um, I think what Kyle's really good at is his accuracy on the the short to, to shorter middle range throws, meaning um, you know he runs those um, those quick screens out to the left, those bubble screens to the receivers, or um, McCaffrey just releases immediately to the flat. He gets that ball right where they can get it and run with it. And I just love that about him because Cam wasn't always that way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's CMC's reaching behind him and yeah. and then has to get his feet set. And I think the gain turns out to be less than it, it probably could have because it did hit him in the right spot. But he does that good job with that. I mean, even downfield um, with those quick slants that he always hits with DJ. I it's mean, they right got it's, it's an operation. It, yeah. Take those things till they stop it. You know, you don't have to keep coming up with new stuff um you know just to keep swinging it to christian they shut you down one time then you know you can always fake and then come back with a, a double you know screen back to the other side or there's something that you can incorporate where it doesn't change a whole lot of stuff but keeps the defense off guard yeah understand who you are what you do best and, and be be good at that and and for kyle allen we've heard ron rivera say it a number of times like you, you don't have to hit the bomb down the field you you know, maybe you're not Aaron Rodgers at this point in your career where you can extend the play and try to make something out of nothing, throw it in a tight window and trust the receivers to make a play for you. Maybe he's not there yet. And it's not to say that he can't progress and he can't develop into that type of uh, quarterback. But right now what we're seeing him is it's one thing, a tip ball, some of these interceptions, you can live with it. Right. But the ones we saw yesterday were, were bad. I mean, yeah. they were just bad throws. They were bad decisions. There's no easy way to put that. Um, he just made bad throws, really bad decisions. And it, it cost him. And um, I'm trying to think the third or the fourth interception. I mean, it probably was two bad throws before that, before the guy finally picked picked it off down in the red zone and that's another thing a couple of them down in the red that that just hurts you had a good drive and you found a way to throw it all away that that's tough to swallow because it's at least field goals that maybe you get on the board and tightens this thing up a little bit and um you know for me as we're talking about the offense i think you know you look at the first half six possessions three of them ended with interceptions um two of them ended because of sacks that basically put them in third and impossible situations and then also penalties ended a drive there with the chop block and you get a 15 yarder that's a drive killer you're not Mm going to get out of that hole unless you know you got someone like Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees Mm -hmm. or somebody with a a Michael Thomas streaking down the field or you know it's just you got to have the right combination to get out of that and certainly we've seen teams that can do it we saw it against Green Bay giving up a second and 26 yeah Uh, and then this week there's a couple of third and 16s Um, one of them was that deep throw to um, Julio, Julio Jones right yeah. to the two yard line that, that Luke was covering on couldn't so, have been better coverage. Though. No, that's what that, we both talked about it during the game. But it, you know when you have that kind of a first half, and then you come out in the second half. Like I said, there was um, uh, they had a holding play and gave up a sack to Claiborne. That was that first series. So they had they tried a fourth and five situation on that first series. It wasn't interception, uh, but gave up a sack, and that's what turned it over on downs, which is essentially a. A turnover, basically. When mm-hmm. you think about it, you get the ball right where the offense uh, couldn't go anymore, and um, so I think that kind of leads us towards the defensive side. Um, early on in this game, I thought the defense was actually fantastic. Yeah. And looking back at, 
you know, as the game wore on, it, it seemed like Atlanta was able to do a couple more things that wore on. But I think that becomes apparent when the offense is struggling like it was. Um, th- that can affect the way the defense plays. Um, there's there's some teams that are that experienced and resilient and tough that it's, hey, we might win this thing, you know, six to three. But our defense isn't there yet. No, um, it doesn't have the pieces to be like that yet, where they can just flip a switch and just say, "No more, we're shutting this team down." They they need the offense to work hand in hand for time of possession, for getting some points on the board. They need help. Yeah, they they are a good defense. They are not a dominant defense. They cannot take over and take control of a football game. They've produced uh, a number of turnovers uh, this game uh, going into this game 19 total 12 of those were interceptions they've done a great job of taking the ball away and giving it back to the offense but uh, on, on the other side this team is giving up the defense is giving up a lot of yards so they've really in most respects been bend and not break and we saw that on the first series we saw it throughout the course of the game where they gave up some yards. Uh, Julio hit him a couple times. Calvin Ridley had an unbelievable day. Not too much uh, to speak of on the, on the ground game, but R- Matt Ryan is just, I mean, when, once he gets going with that talent, that speed, that size they have on the outside, they really can hurt you. And that's just two of the receivers. I mean, it's about four or five of those guys that are four or three guys that are running around out there uh, like crazy. So this defense uh, uh, held up. They're going to generate some pressure. They're going to get to the quarter quarterback but they cannot do enough if that offense isn't sustaining drives um, taking up some of the clock if you're putting the offense back on the field eventually they're going to break down because like I said they're not a lights out dominant defense where they can just take over a game and you know you can win one of those ugly 12 to 9 games Mm -hmm. and I think you when you look at this team um, you know starting well um is the formula for helping the, the Panthers win games. And I think when a team gets up on another team early, especially against the Panthers, um, they've been weak against the run. Um, so you're able to, to run the ball more and, and grind it out. But with Matt Ryan, um, I think the biggest thing was we, we couldn't effectively pressure him throughout the day. And I know we had three sacks. The team mm-hmm. had three sacks. Um, those guys getting after the quarterback. But those felt like, Late sacks, held on to the ball, nowhere to go, good coverage. It, it, yeah. Besides that, was there any other real threat to, to Ryan the whole day? It just didn't feel like there was, he was under much duress whatsoever. Yeah, no, he was comfortable in the pocket. We saw the, the two big guys in the middle get uh, a couple sacks, and Gerald McCoy uh, got there on, on a really quick move, uh, great hands, great explosion up the field. Don Terry Poe does a great job of getting some push as those outside rushers, and, and they do good, a good job of forcing Matt Ryan up into that pocket. He was able to collect one. And the third was Brian Burns on the two-point conversion. He kind of works his way around as Matt Ryan's trying to roll out down there, uh, you know, around the goal line and, and strip sack, get the ball out. Um, so th- those those are the three sacks. But, you know, they, they just uh, – they didn't uh, they didn't get to him enough to mm-hmm. make sure that that timing was off, that he didn't have time to uh, hit Calvin Ridley on some of those deep crossing routes. It looked and, easy. It looked easy. Guys were running open. And there yeah. he was just uh he was accurate. He was on point and um the cornerbacks, the defensive backs, they really struggle. We talk about Trey Boston. He did a good job. Eric Reed is outstanding up at close to the line of scrimmage. Uh as I go back and watch the play, we talked about Julio up the seam. Luke Keekley is carrying that that middle mm-hmm. read. Um uh, but Eric Reed bites on an outside route and he has a guy over there um so he i know keekley was expecting some help over the top on that one but he's around the line of scrimmage he's essentially yeah. like another linebacker now the way they play with uh, mostly nickel personnel on the field he does a great job around the line of scrimmage making uh, plays at or behind the line of scrimmage so eric reed did a good job as well well and when you when you look at that particular play with luke keekley and carrying him down the field you know the coverage they had to set up two safeties um obviously they're looking uh, to help out with the most dangerous situations there. And the way that thing worked out was he had to basically carry him down the field. And last minute, that's when Eric Reed tried to come in and also help yeah. with that. But you watch Luke, when the ball was there, he was right there. Yeah. And just a better placement of his hand, that would have been a deflection and it's not a, you know incompletion. But my goodness, a rainbow throw. I mean, I mean, when it throw. goes that high and drops straight down, it's almost indefensible. And if you have a receiver with hands like Julio – um, he didn't even reach up for it. He didn't nope. high point just let it, it. Drop in there. Just let it drop right in. Um, and, and so if you could, if you could, for me to describe it, I've heard this said. It's like throwing a football down a chimney. 
where you almost have to throw it high in a nice trajectory that it just drops right in. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't always use a, you know, a five iron or a four iron where yeah. that thing's going to be traveling lower and a high velocity. It, yeah. It's got to have some touch to it. And it's the hardest ball, I think, probably to throw in the NFL. The quarterbacks work on it all the time. They do. Because they put the trash can behind a goalpost. Mm-hmm. And from a shorter distance, what they're trying to do is just get it above that bar of the goalpost and let it drop down in there. And it has more to do with, um, you know, it's got the angle of the takeoff of the ball, but it's also the spin that you put on it because you want to turn that thing over just Mm -hmm. like a nice punt. And it's very difficult to do. So I say all that. That's a long explanation that I thought Luke was in a good position there. I, I thought that. You know, I'm okay with him covering him down the middle of the field like that. Mm-hmm. It would have taken a great throw. Uh, it was third and long. You're hoping some pressure gets there and gets home because you know they're going to take a deep shot. Um, so on that play, but that was critical, and I bring that up because if we could have gotten out of the half at 13-0, yeah. things look a lot better coming out of halftime, um, down two scores, you have the ball. Let's go see if we can get back in this ball game. But that one big throw on third and 16 right before the half that sets him up near the goal line puts it at 20 to zero. And then things were bleak after that. Yeah, it just, I mean, it takes the air out of you. You're, you're, you're playing, you're scrapping. It's, it's third and long, and, and they're able to drop one in a bucket that way. And, and look, you have your all world linebacker, uh, you know, guarding, running step for step with an all world receiver, one of the best in the league. On some plays in the NFL, those guys are just better than our guys. And on that play, Atlanta was just better um, than the Carolina Panthers and Luke Keekley. And his arm was in there. He didn't – you know, he had it in there. He just – you know, it's technique to those things. Uh, do, you, do you rake up? you rake down? I mean, he just could not get that ball out of there. Just great concentration by Julio Jones and, and a great throw by Matt Ryan on that play. Yeah, and it's it, a shame that kind of thing really happened because, um, you know, a lot of that – set up by the offense just not being able to move the ball and just giving them too much time. Um, on the defense, you mentioned the quarter, the cornerbacks, and when you look at the numbers with Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, Calvin had eight receptions for 143 yards and a touchdown. Julio, six receptions, 91 yards. Of course, the big 48-yarder that we just spoke about that set him up on the two-yard line that uh, Allison uh, scored the touchdown right after that on a two-yard run. Uh, but those two receivers, 14 catches between the two of them, uh, made a huge impact in that game. And I, I bring up Ridley because he's always going to be tied to me with DJ Moore because of us selecting him. And then Atlanta right after us selecting Ridley, who's going to be the better pro. Um, last year, DJ's numbers were good, but Calvin had a lot more touchdowns. This year, looking at the stats, DJ Moore's having a much, much better year than Calvin mm-hmm. Ridley. But my goodness, on that day yesterday, a um, couple times he found himself open. I don't know if it was breakdowns in the, in the secondary uh, but seeing him run wide open on that deep um, corner route, basically, mm-hmm. to the, the sideline, uh, where it just looked easy. It looked like I could have thrown the thing over there. It was just that wide open. Uh, obviously, I think our corner struggled because we're used to seeing Bradbury really limit Julio. Mm-hmm. And Dante's come a long way in just two years that you felt like there would be better production there. Uh, but they couldn't get it done. Yeah, he, Dante Jackson was just out of sorts. I didn't see the bravado, and I mean, I think yeah. you have to make a play to do that, but I didn't hear him chirping. I didn't uh, see him get in on many tackles in the running game. That usually gets him going a little bit. Um, you know, a couple passes broken up, but for the most part, I think Calvin Ridley had his way with the secondary. Bradbury does a really good job of being big, long, and physical against Julio, and it seems like more often than not, we saw Julio on those deep digs where he's just pushing up the field, breaks it off, and it's coming flat across the field, but a little downhill so Matt Ryan can deliver that ball. They were just a step short all day. We know this team was down Ross Cockrell, and um, you know you saw Javion Elliott in there. He was um, you know in there at the nickel spot, so a lot of moving pieces. The whole defense, just like the offense, and we they were out of sorts. I mean, alignment issues, Luke Keekley. I mean, if he's out of position on some running plays, I don't blame him. I mean, the guy's trying to get 11 guys, 10 other guys lined up. It just looks out of whack. Like, no one understands where they're supposed to be from a personnel perspective and from an alignment. I mean, he's shifting defense alignment, stronger, weak. Um, and it just I – I don't know if it's a result of the 3-4 and the 4-3 and the combination of both and their understanding what personnel is supposed to be in and what situation, but they were out of whack. You just can't play football confidently like that when you don't know where you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to execute a play. 
Well, before we get into looking ahead to the Saints, you know, we're 10 games into this season, and I thought, you know, what if we're looking at this defense out, what are some things? Obviously, we've talked about the areas that need to improve. You know, the pass rush has been there, but how can it be more consistent and affect the passer? And I think that's something that can be improved and will get better um, as the season goes on. I don't. I think their best football is still ahead because they, there's pretty good health on that side. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess, what are some things that worry you that that may not be able to get fixed this year? Um, I, I think it's still going to be their run defense, and we, you know, we got to break this week from it. We don't have to talk about it. It wasn't um, exposed, but you're going to get Chris Carson. Um, with the Saints, uh, obviously, you're going to get Alvin Kamara this week uh, with, with the Saints. I mean, Seattle uh, in a couple weeks. So yep. those two guys, uh, the next couple weeks, you'll see them run the ball. Um, you know, Alvin Kamara is as Christian McCaffrey-like as you're going to get in the NFL, really dynamic in uh, both the the passing game and the running game. So for me, I look at the personnel, and I understand who they have. All right, they have – a bunch of three techniques. They have a bunch of guys that want to get on the outside shoulder of the guard and penetrate. What I think is missing, and Kyle Love wasn't in, you know on the field yesterday, is a big anchoring, just hog molly. Um, the Vita Vea type guys we saw yeah. in Tampa Bay that are going to eat up those blocks. We, I know it's not working because I know what it looks like for Luke Kuechly. You see him running around like a crazy person trying to outrun blocks or diving underneath blocks, and it's because – they're releasing the centers or the guards, depending on uh, what's play side, up to the second level too quickly. So we don't have that guy on the field. You would love Vernon Butler to, to, to be that guy because he's a big guy. He's a 325-pound guy, but he plays um, more like Gerald McCoy and K.K. Short. They're all the same type of guy. So you're trying to run a 4-3 or the 3-4 with a bunch of three techniques that just want to get off on the ball and want to mm-hmm. dive in there and take the blocks with them. But what's missing is a guy who's going to anchor – on the line of scrimmage and not allow those guys to climb up on some of these stretch plays. It does feel like the shift to a, a defense that's more multiple and will run some three-man fronts, that's the struggle has been maybe the personnel part of it. And, and Because I, I know these guys are well coached, mm-hmm. and I know that Coach Rivera has posted so many wins, and he, he's got a great staff. Uh, but it does feel like that, Al. I would, I would co-sign on that any day. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the, the run defense um, is something that's – if it's not paid particular focus and given extra attention and some things are game planned up, um, they can't just go mano a mano with a team um, without doing some some run blitzes in there, mixing up um, you know some gap exchange where guys are moving from where they're lined up across a, a offensive yeah. lineman to, to pinch to cause them problems on their double teams and angles that they're blocking. For me on the offensive side, it really feels like the pass protection is the the Achilles heel, and I'm not sure it can be fixed uh, through the rest of this season because I think obviously Kyle's proven he can win when other parts around him are doing well. He has weapons on offense, got a great tight end, has um, young wide receivers that have shown that they can be dynamic. They're just not able to get the ball downfield uh, with some of the protection issues. And I think for me what would really help is, listen, Greg Van Roden, Matt Paradis, Trey Turner – and, and Taylor Moten, you four, go raise your game because we need you to be at your very best mm-hmm. because the left tackle is, is a, a work in progress. And I think between Daly and Little, they're going to find their left tackle of Two the future. Rookies, yeah. But they're young, and I feel like a lot of the work they need to help get them better as a football player is going to require an offseason. And I, I can speak from experience on that because my rookie year, I felt totally unprepared to play. I went out there. I did the best I could when I had to when I was called into action. But every rep I knew, you know, I could use the best technique I've, I've ever had. I could do a lot of things correctly. But the guy across from me, you know, like I'm 22 years old. I'm trying oh, to man. learn the NFL. And I got Bruce Smith lined up on me on Monday Night Football up in Buffalo. Um that's going to take some more man. You know what I mean? And I, that off season, I gained weight. I got stronger. I lived in the weight room. And guys were like, man, you came back a different guy. And I was like, I, I just have more confidence because I, I know now I have the physical skills. And I don't think Greg has those yet. And I'm talking about just getting stronger, especially in the trunk, the lower body, to be able to stop some of these uh, bull rushes and, and the physicality of getting kind of pushed around. Because make no mistake about it, the guy's got feet. He can dance with the best of them. Their his athletes, size, yeah. my goodness, I, I've watched him 
um, you know, during the off season and the way he moved during camp, and, and he's the real deal. Um, but he's also behind the eight ball because of the, the two concussions he's had. And when you have a concussion, it's not like, well, he's not going to play this week, um, but he can still go out there and practice. You know, someone has a, a hand injury, and it's like, you know, I'm not going to play this week. The bubble's just too encumbering, but, you know, in a couple of weeks I'll be able to get back to action and be out there full force, but I can still practice the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a guy that when that happens, you know, the first week they don't even really have you lift or do anything strenuous yeah, whatsoever. No stress at all. It's stress-free. So they just need to develop. And you can look at both of their bodies. We're talking about Greg Little, um, you know, and Dennis Daly. It's the weight room. They have to get stronger. Those bodies have to develop. And it takes a little while. I think mm-hmm. we both talked about how long it takes for, for us or took for us to feel comfortable. And it was, you know, a year or more, especially yeah. that rookie year. It's, it's, it's tough. I've joked about it before i said man you know those guys across from you are paying mortgages now and they have kids it's a different type of mentality that you play with when you're just a 22 year old and you're in the league and you're still trying to figure it out and it's not just those guys um you look at another guy like brian burns and christian miller look at their body types they have to get bigger and stronger to be kind of every down games Mm -hmm. we've seen their reps i know christian miller's been hurt but brian burns also dealing with an injury it's kind of been out of the loop and some of it is the same thing it's a long season, and it's week 11. They've had four preseason games. They've already surpassed what they've played in college uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. So they're kind of hitting that rookie wall. You can see it. You can see it in all those rookies. And they just have to get stronger, and it'll be better in the offseason once they understand what they need to do to develop. Well, make no mistake about it. I think that the reason I said those four other linemen have to pick up their game is, is because – that's going to be a liability at left tackle until he gets the reps he needs, gets stronger in the weight room, and gets the confidence that, that he needs to be able to go against really good pass rushers week in and week out. So that being said, I think that's where your help needs to be if you're going to line a tight end. Tight end. You're going to put Olsen over there, man hurts, or send Christian McCaffrey or run two backs in there and have you know Bonifon help chip or even Christian McCaffrey and get Bonifon out so that you can keep some other – uh, options for you if you have to get rid of the ball quick but there's gonna have to be some special game planning and I know they can do it because they did it last year with with Chris Clark and um, Marshall Newhouse two Who's guys in, off the street yeah, asked Tom Brady he's getting right. killed with Marshall Newhouse out no, there there's no doubt and you know Tom can't be Tom without protection mm-hmm. so um, that's something that worries me that that's not going to be a quick fix and it's going to take an off season to get to, but that's, that's life in the NFL. You rarely have players come in and able to make an impact right away as a rookie. Now it happens. And especially in some skill positions, because with the athleticism of these guys and how well they're trained coming out of college, they really can just survive on a lot of that athletic ability. Yeah. And we saw it early on with Burns. You know, with his speed, it was it was a lot of success early Shocking on. To offensive line, Teams kind of yeah. learn him a little bit, and they know, you know what, I'm just gonna I'm gonna be real patient, uh, take a good set. Eventually, if I do the right set, he's just gonna have to come through me because he's not gonna be able to get around me. And uh, that's why I think you've seen some of his numbers taper off. And he, he did have the hand injury, and that plays a yeah, lot. Yeah, that's a lot. lot. For a defensive lineman, I mean, our biggest weapon, believe it or not, are our hands. And that, those long arms, keeping that leverage, keeping those guys off of us. So he struggled a little bit down the stretch here because he can't use that dominant hand. Well, unfortunately, we're heading down to New Orleans, one of the toughest places to play in the division. Um, the Falcons are a fierce rival, a bitter one. They've owned us. I hate that. But this series with the New Orleans Saints is um, – 25-24, we're on top, or maybe it's uh, the Saints are on top by one game, but it's been, been very close over the 48 games or so that they've played against each other since this division was formed with these four teams. Um, but we know what they got going. They're 8-2. and two. They got Breeze back. Um, you know, didn't have a good game uh, you know, against the Falcons, but then bounced back against the Bucks and had a stellar performance, um, really lighting them up. Three touchdowns in that game. Uh, was completing everything. I mean, 28 of 35 is about 75% uh, completion rate there, 70 75%. So they're going in there, and, and we're talking about how we need more rush and affect Ryan, Matt Ryan. How are they going to do that against this team? It's going to be a tough job. It's going to be a tough job, but, uh, you know, Drew Brees, another guy that's not very tall, he has he has to throw it on time and has to work uh, with precision. I think if you can do that and get some pressure on him, you know, we've seen him make some bad throws, not because he's making bad decisions. I think he just can't see sometimes when he's throwing the ball. So it's going to be a tough challenge. That football team um, on the offense is really good. Uh, they have two good backs, Alvin Kamara and Murray, who was at Minnesota – 
played uh, for two or three weeks while Kamara was dealing with some injuries and, and did a really good oh, yeah. job, did a great job. And then they legitimately have one of the best receivers in the league. Michael Thomas is going to catch 10, 15 balls a week. He's just going to be a no, terror. He's, he's, he's not going to blow your doors off. He's, he's not going to run past you. But he, And it's really the only guy that they have. He's going to throw it to him. He's going to get 15 targets a game. He's going to catch 13. He's amazing. So he really it's is. going to be a really tough challenge slowing down that that offense. Drew Brees is just like a, he's a surgeon with, with the ball in his hands. He's going to pick you apart. They're going to invite the blitz. He's going to know where it's coming from. They're going to deliver the ball. So it's going to be a tough challenge for this uh, run defense. We're going to see that get mm. challenged. And then the passing game, the defensive backs will have to have a much better day than we saw them this past week against Atlanta. Well, you feel like – the way this team has been on the run run defense and then how the best way to get to Breeze, everyone always says that it's it's pressure up the middle because of his shorter stature, mm-hmm. trying to get in his face and push the pocket into him instead of, you know, he does such a good job stepping up and buying time that the speed rush on the outside isn't the way to get Breeze. It's up front. So it really feels like hearing you talk, you know, those those interior linemen – really could be they have a great day this team has a chance to shut them down if they don't that could be a lot of running lanes and a lot of time for Drew Brees if we can't get McCoy and you know uh, Kyle Love if he's able to play this week Vernon also uh, Poe po, yeah like those four guys or if they move a guy in there like F.A. or someone that's a, a smaller guy you, you use what you've got to get in there get your hands Find up and cause matchups. disruption and they have some good offensive linemen they drafted well they have a, a couple guys Andrews Pete is in there and a young guy they have a bunch of talented offensive linemen but you're going to have to challenge them I went back last year and looked at what worked and it was a lot of Thomas Davis Luke Kickley double a gap blitzes mm-hmm. or just just sugaring in there just looks which really makes him Drew Brees thinks he has to get that ball out early so either one will work you need to create the pressure by bringing people or create the pressure by look and feel and and a lot of that was having Luke Keekley and Thomas Davis stand in that a gap and present a five or a six man rush which means that ball has to come out it helps your defensive backs out against those talented receivers they know they only have a short period of time to cover but it's it's good um, that that offense is good and they're even better on the defensive side Kevin well I want to say I'm I'm, uh, looking at the depth chart here for the Saints and because my my thought is I think they drafted a center this year to fill in um, to be their uh, starting center. Uh, and I think this is an opportunity that, like you said, getting in those A-gaps a little bit with Shaq and Luke um, or some of those big guys that are up front uh, can get some push on a young player like that. I think that's exactly how you set things up. Uh, Eric McCoy is the guy that I'm thinking of. He's their starting center. Um, and when you look at him, uh, he is definitely a rookie out of Texas A&M. So mm-hmm. I've seen him play. He's he's done a nice job, but there's been instances where he's looked like a true rookie with uh, having to have some penalties, grab a guy that maybe has beaten him off yeah. the edge a little bit because he's a rookie. And we know we got Greg Little and Dennis Daly. We know that there's, there's flashes of brilliance and there's flashes where you can really get after a guy. So, again, those interior guys, especially those linebackers, don't know how the plan will shape up with their tendencies and what they really want to try to stop. But it just feels so important for our guys in the middle – to have some age, some experience to get after this middle group for the offensive line of the Saints. Yeah, and, and what do we have to do on the offense? We know this defensive front, Cam Jordan, is a beast. He's going to be all over the place. They drafted Marcus Davenport a couple years ago. <laughs> and then Malcolm Brown and Sheldon Rankins are the two big guys in the middle. And A.J. Klein's a very guy we were very familiar with, backed up Luke Kuechly for a number of years. And that secondary is maybe one of the best in the league. Yeah, and it's – you know, so it's it's a tough sell. Tough. You know, um, you know, talking about the Saints team, they're balanced. Obviously, with the record of eight and two, um, you know, they got Breeze back. They did drop an ugly one to the Falcons, but you felt like it was just kind of an aberration and a one-off because of the way they bounced back against the Bucks, who we know can can be a tough team. But they forced them to turn over. I think there was three or four turnovers by uh, Jameis in that game, if I remember right. Um, so they got Jameis back to his ways of turning the ball over, and um, for this team. The success has really come um, getting after – they've been poor on run defense, and I don't think that's changing a whole lot. That's It's just kind of who they are. You can't flip the switch overnight and just become a great run defense. They can try to get better at that, but what's helped them out is pressure on the quarterback 
and takeaways. Those happen from third and long situations. So the, the running game with you know Kamara Murray, like you were saying, it's it's got to be a priority, and those guys in the middle need to take up a lot of space. Um, they can get that done. They have a chance at slowing this Saints offense down, but if they're able to run at will, it's it's going to be a tough day. Yeah, it's going to make it a, a long day, and and for the offense, uh, Christian McCaffrey, do what you do. We talked about it earlier. Don't get fancy. Commit to that running game. Find a way to get him the ball. I mean, he. It's probably 90% of the production on, on offense. I mean, he's, this offense just doesn't click if it doesn't go through 22. Um, we've seen DJ Moore be very impactful. He's moving the chains, but we haven't seen him do is explode for long touchdowns. So just take what you get, move the ball down the field. This is a very good uh, uh, defense, great secondary. Von Bell, Marshawn Lattimore, great secondary guys. Just run the ball, see what you can do, and let that settle down uh, your quarterback, Kyle Allen, and get him going, build some confidence back. And I think, you know, if you can establish the run, like you're saying, get CMC rolling, that takes a lot of time of possession uh, away from Breeze and the Saints. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's the formula to it. You don't have to outthink it. You don't have to do a lot of different things. If you can be uh, effective in the running game, you're going to have a great, I think, evening against the Saints. Uh, it would be a fun game to watch. Now, um, you know, you flip that around um, – you know, with this team and a lot of momentum, it, it's a team that they're probably thinking they can walk right over the Carolina yeah. Panthers. But how I kind of want to end this is that, you know, there's a lot of talent on this team, and we've seen moments of brilliance in a lot of different areas. It, if this team wants to make an impact and be a viable candidate for the playoffs at the end of the year, uh, obviously with six games to go and you're sitting at 5-5, five and five, you're in a tough position to get back in the playoff race. But the flip of it is you do have three more division games. Um, you do have a tough one against Seattle, but you win that one. That's somebody that's vying for up one of those playoff spots. It helps with tiebreakers and an NFC uh, conference win, basically. Uh, and then you got the Redskins and Colts. There's some winnable games there, and if they play better um, – you know, against the Atlantas and New Orleans, um, they could come out of there with a win and surprise some folks. So I think going into this game – I feel really disappointed the way they played on Sunday, and it leaves me thinking right now that it's like, I don't know if we're going to win another game. But I don't want to get into that mindset because that was kind of last year's. It's, you know, I think that if these guys can to get back to work and get a practice that, you know, you, you can hear it in Rivera's voice almost when he does press conferences later in the week or you hear from him, and there's something about him. It was like when the prep that week is outstanding and everything's going well and there's things are crisp. Um, you can just feel it from the coaches. And, I, you know, Saturday, uh, Sunday when we were there, I, I had an uneasy feeling about the game. I just – something about it. I don't know if it's sixth sense from being in the league as yeah. long as I was. I, you might have felt it too. Yep. I, I just was worried. And I was trying to talk to people like, hey, feel out the game today. And they're like, I feel good. I feel good. Mm -hmm. I'm like, it didn't make me feel good. Like, I just – there was just a sense there. It just didn't seem like it was going to be our day. So, hoping this team can find its groove this week. Because if they come out of it feeling well, well oiled, and they got a good game plan together, and that confidence, um, especially maybe even a feeling like they got nothing to lose. You know, right now it's it's win or go home. I think these are all must wins coming up if you want to get in the race at all. Yeah, you just have to scrap it all. It's hard to do. This was a bitter loss uh, to a divisional rival at home, and and we all kind of felt in the pit of our stomach as we talked to people pregame, and just everybody had questions. Everybody wanted, felt like for you and I to say, yeah, this one's okay. We're going to win this one, and we couldn't do that with confidence and look at what happened. I think you have to get back to the basics and throw this one out and win the football games ahead of you. I mean, why not play spoiler? Look what Atlanta's been able to do. I mean, they're dead to rights uh, for the remainder of the season. They've gone, you know, back-to-back -back wins against divisional teams, so the Panthers are capable of doing that. They have the talent on the field to do that. They just got to go out there and execute. They cannot have a game where they just don't fire on all cylinders. The room for error, um, it's just gone. It's gone now. So I'm excited to see them. It's a challenge for me. I think this is a day or Tuesday, whenever they're back in there, they have one of those players-only meetings where they close the doors, they put the trainers and coaches out, and they have a heart-to-heart, -heart, man, because that team is not going to look like – uh, next year is not going to be the same. Those right. guys are looking at is not going to be the same. They have what five, six more opportunities to win. You have to have a heart to heart. It's a player's only time. They have to get it right. They have to get it right today. Yeah, you know what? Six games left, and if these guys can't improve on stopping the run, then they're going to find some other guys that can come in and improve they stopping sure the will. run. If the 
you know, we're not seeing any progress with, with certain offensive linemen getting better than the, there's the, there's a draft and free agency period. So it's, I don't want to put doom and gloom into it, but it, it, they'll, Coach Rivera and that these guys are fighting for their jobs too, and they're going to find the best way to get the, the players they need. And right now this team doesn't have one guy they can depend on to carry them, uh, where it's just a game wrecker, a guy that can change the whole face of a game where you have a top three quarterback or you have the premier you know, Vaughn Miller-type pass yeah. rusher that can just instantly in, – you know, you're down 14 points and that guy can cause a sack fumble that sets up a touchdown. Yeah. Like – we don't have those guys right now, so it's going to be a team effort. So I think it, whether they meet or not as a team or whatever, there has to be some directive in that locker room where they're talking to each other that, you know, I don't care who you are. All right, you know, Christian, you're having an amazing year. We need you to be even a little bit better against the Saints. Yeah. And every player has to go down the list. All right, you know, this is a guy that's been a backup. He's starting now. He's not one of our better players. But you know what? He's starting. He's in the lineup. Whatever you've done, you've got to raise that elevate, you know, elevate that level of play. And if you can't do that, it's going to be a long day. Yeah, it's going to be a long win. It puts more pressure on 22. We know how good he is. He is that wrecker. He is the the face of the Panthers. He's that difference maker. Everybody tunes in every Sunday for the highlights to see what this guy is going to do. 191 total yards. He is amazing. That's the way I'm going to end it, thinking about yes. how dynamic Christian McCaffrey is. What a What a – unbelievable season he's had. well he'll have an amazing game it's going to see it's going to be fun so fun to watch the kamara cmc battle and just the way those they're used and what their stats end up being and how they attack the offenses um i mean the defensive of the opposing teams there i think that is one of the the cooler battles that i'll be kind of focusing on i'll yeah. actually watch the offensive line a lot i'm sure you'll be watching the d line yeah. a lot but Really looking forward to the game. And with this Carolina Panthers team, as much as it can drive you crazy, there's times where it just comes together and just gives you pure joy. Uh, and it would not surprise me one bit if Sunday they come out there and just have a lights-out game um, and almost make us feel bad. And in retrospect, we're like, what could have or, or would have yeah. been if we had you know, gotten an early Tampa Bay win or not let – uh, the Packers won't slip away from us. So uh, I'll also end on a positive note. I think that, um, that that our interior guys on that defensive line are going to come to play. They're going to shut the run down, find ways to push that pocket back. And then I think the offensive line on our side of it will do enough uh, to protect Kyle Allen to help build his confidence back. That It's in this team. They can't go out and make mistakes. They can't have the penalties they have. They can't have the turnovers. Um, th this is a team that when they – plays some mistake-free football can hang with anyone in the NFL yeah nobody's gonna come and save the Panthers they're gonna have to <laughs> save themselves so that's that needs to be the message that needs to be the mindset here the next six weeks and Al don't you think if we could do it I'd do it in a second uh, if I was able if, if I still had if I was 32 years old and had all that experience in me and and they needed to tackle or a guard whatever I'd jump at the chance I know you would at defensive end and uh it would in be a glorious. heartbeat in a glorious. heartbeat these guys this career is so fleeting. So precious, man. Like Enjoy every year it. I thought I was getting cut. And yeah. when I didn't, I was like, you know, praise the Lord. I got it's one amazing. more season. I got it's one amazing. more. And before you knew it, 13 stacked up, 10 for you. Um, so we know a little bit what we're talking about. But these guys, they're the ones that got to perform. We just get to crack, you know, critique it, break it down, do all those different things, and um, come up with the answers. Whether these guys listen to it or not, we'll find out. No, we still, are we here, still right? bleed Carolina blue. Yeah, they're there. <laughs> just tune in. We'll help you out. We've we'll, yep. we got some, some nuggets for you. Well, for Al Wallace, uh, for Josh Klein, for Kelly Bardick, everyone here at the Roaring Riot. Uh, we're at the worldwide headquarters of <laughs> Roaring Riot right now. Uh, we're, we're finishing up the podcast now, so we appreciate you guys listening. Um, please subscribe anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, subscribe, rate, uh, post comments in there. We would love to hear your comments. Uh, and you can reach us on Twitter. Al, where are you at, at on Twitter? At 96A Wallace. And I'm at Twitter at Kevin Donnelly, K-E-V-I-N-D-O-N-N-A-L-L-E-Y. Kevin Donnelly. Um, we are open to those discussions. So please keep tuning in. We love talking football with you guys. And until next time, this has been the Carolina Line. On this week's episode of the Roaring Riot podcast, the Panthers have lost the high ground with the 28-3 remarks as the Falcons finish them off 29-3 in Charlotte. There's a lot of internal reflection and a tough slate of games ahead. So what does this mean for the team and for coaching staff? 
We will preview the Panthers' upcoming game against the Saints and the rest of the season. There is much more, so please join us on the Roaring Riot podcast, part of the Riot Network, powered by Ortho Carolina.